The Neo Reality Entertainment brand expands with a relaunch of the Neo Reality Collective Pop Culture News Talk. Your host, Eric Brown, gives his insights and thoughts in the ever-expanding news world of comic books, professional wrestling, gaming, TV, and movies. Be sure to donate to the brand and keep up to date with additional content on YouTube channels such as Neo Reality Entertainment, NRE The Wrestleverse, and NRE Pop Culture Omniversa. back everyone with neo reality collective brought to you by anchor.fm you'll catch the uh stuff in the ad video on the podcast version in this video well, when you get it on youtube but we're here here or there but we're going to talk about some news for the first week of this for the first half of this week and then ultimately conclude with friday i mean with saturday with the last half of the news week and also uh, <laughs> yeah i hope you all catch my bonus episode of the loki series season one which was a fun ride fun ride fun ride everyone fun ride but we're now moved past that and we can move forward with the next initiative new news of the dc universe there's going to be an official new dc limited series 12 issues by tom king and greg smallwood <sighs> titled Human Target. According to DC, this will be the latest series to show off King's magic touch when it comes to plumbing the depths, pummeling the depths of the DC universe and reimagining characters for a new generation of fans. Like I said, King is very conflicting on a lot of things with uh, his vision of the DC universe and how he writes stories. Like I said, I think King is a great writer when he has stories that are not in continuity or they can be reverse engineered from another writer's turn on continuity when it comes to his writing style. I really do think that, and I especially think he does more on a limited series and not a long ongoing series. Because then he has filler, 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 and then we got stretched it out. So when he is allowed to be compact within 12 issues or less, He's allowed to be more flu fluid and more flexible with this. I feel like that's his best strengths there. But when told you gotta make a 100 limited, 100 ongoing episodes episodic series every two weeks, when he was doing Batman for 85 issues until the DC Universe management went ahead and said we can't do, we're no longer doing 100 issues. You're ending at 85. Um, this was really problematic like a lot of people liked it at first and then it started going off the rails and then it was getting good then it went off the rails then it was good then it went off the rails and then ultimately died towards Bethlehem essentially and yeah so he's doing another 12 issue series he's called Human Target which will be released on November 2nd which calls the DC Universe meets Great Detective Noir, creating a new legacy for DC's deadliest bodyguard. <laughs> and as previously reported by Newsarama, uh, the late 80s era Justice League International will seemingly play a role in this. DC isn't saying how exactly, but the artwork they just released features a take on the team. Even as iconic pre-selfie pose, maybe it has something to do with Lex Luthor, we don't know. 
Christopher Chance has made a living out of being a human target, a man hired to disguise himself as a client as his client to invite would-be assassins to attempt his murder, reads, de- reads the details DC did share. He has a remarkable career until his latest case protecting Lex Luthor, or when things go sideways, an assassination attempt Chance didn't see coming leaves him vulnerable and left trying to solve his own murder, as he had as he has 12 days to discover just who in the DC universe hated Luther enough to want him dead. Okay, so remember Linkara talking about uh, Blackest Night, and then he mentions Lex Luthor hiding in a bunker underground, and then he brings up, oh god, how many people have I killed over the years? They're gonna be a bit pissed. Yeah, that's the best way to describe it. Like, Considering we're now in the era where everything is canon and therefore nothing is canon, yeah, everyone's gonna kill him. So, this will be illustrated by Smallwood, Trevor Harrison, Dan- and featuring variants by Trevor Harrison, Danny Minky, and Jenny Person. If I butcher that, sorry everybody, but yeah. It's all coming out this fall, heading into Thanksgiving month, um, if November, and oh boy, it's going to be a crazy ride. Let's hope it's pretty good. So, we're not done with DC Comics or DC lore stuff yet. We're getting more from the DC Cinematic side of the universe, which will probably be rebooted and then ultimately turned into a kibosh of Rebirth-style storytelling. So... They have announced that Peacemaker, the Suicide Squad spin-off series, has confirmed the directors. Collider, with gun handling writing duties on all eight episodes and directing five, Collider has confirmed that exclusively that Brad Anderson of Session 9 and Rosemary Rodriguez of The Walking Dead will join the previously revealed Jody Heal on the remaining three episodes. And Steve Agree, who did Super G-O-T-G Volume 2 and Brightburn, rejoins Gunn and John Cena. And his name is John Cena, who will play the, well, Peacemaker in his attempt to create peace, no matter how many people he has to kill to get it. Us, including women and children. So that's going to be fun. And in addition to that, uh... In addition to that, we also got Robert Patrick, who will play the role of Augie Smith. You know, the guy from Terminator 2. So, now I kind of want to see... I kind of want to see Robert Patrick's Terminator 2 character take on Peacemaker. Bardos versus Bardos. Though Peacekeeper is made by is John Cena, so naturally we will make obvious obligatory jokes of how we can't see him really. So that's gonna be awkward for when the jokes happen and people have to bring up how they can't see him, and therefore there's gonna be annoying at times when it gets to that point. Oh But anyways, uh, Peter Savan, the exec, will serve as executive producer, was seen as co-executive producer. Peacemaker will be associated by Troll Court Entertainment, Guns Production Company, and the Safarian Company in association with WBTV. Those specific series are kept under some kind of route. They will explore the origins of the character in the upcoming film, A Man Who Believes in Peace at Any Cost, no matter how many people he has to kill to get it. 
saying uh, Cena had said, I had said before that it was a tremendous honor and an incredible opportunity to be part of the Suicide Squad and to work with James on what is going to be a fantastic movie. I am unbelievably excited to have the chance to team up with him again for Peacemaker. We can't wait for fans to see this. Well, obviously, since uh, we're here's the best way we could do this origin we could connect you with the WWE universe, the Wyatt verse. And we can have that John Cena was the great hero, and then he went crazy when the Bray White, when the Fiend went ahead and trapped, trapped him in the multi-dimensional dimension of torture and psychological horror to the point that he lost his mind and will do anything to achieve peace America style. And we get Peacemaker. That would probably be a lot cooler though. Long multiversal crossover storytelling, damn it. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, Hideo Kojima, you know, the crazy director guy with the endless amount of cutscenes. Yeah, Hideo Kojima came out and said, uh, he doesn't like calling Death Stranding Director's Cut a Director's Cut. And I kind of agree. We should call the Developer's Cut. But anyways, uh, he had a different re reason. He said this in a Twitter post. A director's cut in a movie is an additional edit to a shortened version that was either released reluctantly because the director didn't have the right to edit it or because throwing time had to be shortened. So he also says, in the game, it is not what was cut, but what was additionally produced that was included. Directors plus us. So in my opinion, I don't call it a director's cut. So he's calling it a director's plus. So wouldn't that mean to just call, Def, call it Death Stranding Plus? Like I said, the only game I feel that would be worthy of the title cut would be KOTOR 2 The Sith Lords. Let's be real, that, that's the game I feel strongly is the one that needs to be needs to have a director's cut, a developer's cut. Let's do it. Do it. Contact Lucasfilms and, and contact Microsoft. Give Obsidian on this. And if they make it Xbox exclusive, I mean, like, I'm probably I'm pretty sure PC, PlayStation players would be pissed, but they never got to experience, for PlayStation exclusive players, never got to experience Knights of the Old Republic unless you buy it on PC or you buy it on Xbox because the PlayStation apparently wasn't powerful enough at the time. Much like how Morrowind wasn't either. But anyways. Yeah, I, I do feel like I can make a whole episode talking about the cut content from KOTOR 2 ooh, and just go all out with it and just show, just explain my interpreted thoughts on the whole list they made. Oh god, it's so wild, insane. But yeah, Kojima said, no, I don't want to call it a director's cut, it's a director's plus. Even though I call it a developer's I would call it the Death Stranding Plus Edition. Because that would kind of make more sense to just call it Death Stranding Plus. But, uh, yeah. So, cut content, whatever, or plus with additional content. Oh, yeah. We'll have to see down that road. But let's move on from that. There's now a, a new Halo Encyclopedia is coming out in spring 2022. Ooh, a 500-page one. But it's scheduled to come out next year in the spring, like I mentioned. To avoid the infinite spoilers for Halo Infinite, the franchise na and, and narrative writer Jeff Bryan Brother One Easterling uh, uh, posted the news on the game's website that the new encyclopedia 
Yeah, well, it's slated to arrive March 29, 2022, and comes in around 25% larger than the previous one. Pre-order details are said to be coming very soon, and they are trying to go ahead and, you know, saying how the Halo universe will expand and whatnot. And they want to compile the massive amount of lore into something every fan can enjoy. You mean when it goes outdated by the next con DLC release? I went there. And I'm a Halo fan. But let's be real. It, it, it would be... It, like, when you make encyclopedia books like Halo, like video games or Star Wars, I feel like that's that immediately default... Immediately obsolete upon release because by that time you already got the latest issue of comics or books or games that's not in the complete book so yeah you might like they might as well just go and commit to making a living organism like wikipedia but you know under the control of the company that produces the stories and lore and not have the risk of having people come in and troll edit things like I've seen some people do. Yeah. So yeah, they're trying they're going to avoid spoiling Halo Infinite story, so good luck with that. Don't worry, I'm pretty sure PC I'm pretty sure YouTubers will spoil it for us. Oh man. The Lodge Judgment, the sequel to 2018's Judgment Game. Yeah. Maybe the final game in the series, according to a new report. According to the Japanese entertainment site Nikan, I'm not going to pronounce that. The problem stems from the talent agency Johnny and Associates reportedly wanted to block the game from being published on BC via Steam so as to protect the likeness of the rights of the, uh, to its client in the face of judgment. Actor Takuya Kimoria. I'm just I'm just making this up as I go. Curiously, Lost Judgment was listed for Windows 10 and Steam when it was first announced, in addition to PS and Xbox. While those listings were removed, Twitter's Wario64 noted the website code still contained the Steam logo. Oh, and when asked about the report, a Sega representative said the company did not have to comment, did not have a comment. We'll consider tomorrow the story if and when it makes a difference in the statement, they said. For Sega, Losing it would be a huge blow as the actor has star power in Japan. Japan. Johnny and Associates functions as a powerful boy band agency in the cutthroat world of Japanese entertainment and has a notorious anti-internet attitude. Ah, so the government of the United States. Got it. Music Times via Kotaku noted that the company took two years to create a YouTube channel for its talent, which finally went live in 2018. <laughs> Sega stands to lose more by ignoring the PC market, however, for its upcoming legal suspense drama. Um, uh, the company has focused as ever to not only releasing games developed in Japan into Western markets more quickly, but also onto PC via Steam, and that's been a great success. Persona 4, for example, Persona 4 Golden, did especially well, selling over 1 million copies globally after it was released on June 13th, as an example. But now, uh... Lost Judgment and its game is scheduled to release worldwide September 24, 2021 for Xbox, PlayStation, consoles. So, uh, I never played Judgment, I'm, I'm gonna be real. I never played Judgment, I never played it, I, I just never even heard of this before, honestly. But Lost Judgment, I mean, like, I haven't read reviews of it, but it, it would be kind of a tragedy to end the series due to internal politics if they didn't if they had more ideas planned for the series but it kind of sucks when a series has to it may be forced to end due to those internal politics but yeah sucks right 
and why is Japan like I know America's very America Hollywood entertainment is very cutthroat but in Japan and so yeah I'm like I've complained for years about Disney's handling of Star Wars and then they finally found their stride after they finished the sequel trilogy oh god there's so much wrong with saying that isn't there so WandaVision's Agatha Harkins you know the secret villain of the story is going to Kevin Feige has said she her return can't come soon enough, saying that saying that uh, Feige said in a discussion with Ron Tomatoes, you will see the actress in Knives Out 2 next, then maybe in a storm of other things, but within the MCU, it can't come soon enough. Let's put it that way. Uh, yeah, they took the leadership of Marvel Studios were fans of the actress beforehand and took a, to a general meeting with her. And Marvel Studio co-president actually sat down and had a general meeting with her, her, saying it went very quickly from that. She's great. What can she do for us someday? Anyway, who's going to play Agatha? We really have to cast this part. Wait a second. It was honestly almost exactly like that. So let's see if I get this straight. Uh, you looked at her, said, we like you. Okay. Okay, everyone. Who are we gonna get that? Who are we gonna get this person to play? Who are we gonna get this character? Who are we gonna get the actor to play this character? That's an old. That's a. That's a secret woman who's the. Who's an evil ancient entity. I'm like we could. Uh, we got this audition. Wait a second. We already have an actress who's perfect for the role. Get her. <laughs> that. That's basically what they just said. So. Kevin Feige went on continuing saying one of the great things to building the MCU is seeing audiences respond to characters that they were not expecting or they were not asking for. I wouldn't say there was a huge contingency of people banging down the door for Agatha Harkins to appear in the MCU, but she's a great character portrayed by a great actress. And by the first few episodes, people are asking, where is she going to show up again? What else is she going to do? Also discussing the fans' reaction and to the debut performance of the character Yolian Balovia. Uh, from Black Widow that recently came out, expressing his own excitement for about the character's future. The first question that often comes to mind people seeing Black Widow for the first time is when will she show up again in the MCU? And my answer to that is always not soon enough because she's amazing. Charlotte Johansson chose to make that film an ensemble to surround herself with new characters portrayed by new actors entering the MCU and allowing them all to sign, knowing that lifting them. Um, up lifts up the whole movie, which is which is what a smart producer does, which Scarlet is. So I haven't seen Black Widow. I'll probably see it when it's free on Disney Plus. I'm not going to get the premiere access, and you know, COVID's still a bit of a e for theater people for here. But uh, we'll have to see where that goes. But I I'm going to have to reserve judgment on the opinion on that. But I kept hearing some things about a twist villain they did and they didn't like it regarding Taskmaster. I don't know what. That's the only thing I've heard. So The Quiet Place 2 part, I mean Quiet Place Part 2 is now available to stream for all Paramount Plus subscribers if anyone's interested in it. After having an initial theatrical only run, on which made their debut in May 28th, has already earned $279 million in the global box office, is now available for no extra charges for subscribers to Paramount+. Plus. So, get ready for that, everybody. But we're going to have to see where this goes from here. 
I haven't watched it. I'm not really into the Quiet Place stuff, so... Yeah. Also, because DC Comics wants to take as much time as possible and make a sequel to a comic that really some I think I only saw like one review of where it was Batman and Superman versus werewolves and vampires they were like no let's get both Justice League and Suicide Squad to fight the vampires and the undead I'm like you could just go ahead and call Tom Taylor up and say hey uh, you want to come back and make another deceased movie yeah deceased comic yes because there was stuff left off, left open-ended on that. So, yeah, there's going to be a series called Task Force Z, which focuses on zombies. Uh, which, after being teased for backup stories beginning in August, is Detective Comics 1041. Task Force Z will branching out of those backups for an ongoing series of its own, and the special someone is taking deceased criminals from the Infinite Frontier recent A-Day event and resurrecting for an even more bizarre version of the Suicide Squad Task Force X. Wait, this is an ongoing? I thought this was our continuity. Okay, that's surprising. But, uh, anyways, saying uh, on A-Day, hundreds of Gotham City's most dangerous and deranged criminals were left dead after an attack on Arkham Asylum, and now they're getting a second chance at life. A mysterious benefactor is bringing together a new task force and has recruited only the only person who could lead them, someone who knows what it's like to come back from the brutal death. Red Hood. What? Uh. Why? Um... Is this part of James Titans the Force Bat books? I'm not sure. Like they're saying it's canon, it by saying bringing up Infinite Frontier and what happened over there. <laughs> oh man! So that Jason Todd now this thing goes ahead and mentions how now Jason Todd has to unravel the mystery surrounding this team of the recently deceased while leading a lineup of some of Gotham City's worst. Bane, Man-Bat, the Arkham Knight, Sundower, and Mr. Bloom. So... <laughs> so, they're, so, yeah, they're, they're back. Okay, okay. Meanwhile, we're going to get DC and vampires fighting. From an ongoing to his 12-issue series, DC versus vampires will see Rosenberg team up with Batman Ride James Tyron the fourth with artist artist Otto Schmidt as an army secret army of vampires attempt to overrun the earth under the Justice League's watch hmm. both both books are set to go on sale on October 26th yes in time for Halloween we shall dare to find the world so yeah, th this book is canon. The the deceit, the, de the task force Z initiative, led by Red Hood. Um, do we can can we just say it? The government just really sucks. Well, like it's not as bad as the Marvel universe's governments because they're willing to team up with Nazis to kill mutants. I'm still pissed about that. 
just about, yeah, I'm like, was that it? We're bringing zombies? Uh, Arkham Knight? Red Hood's leading them? With electric crowbars in the cover? Oh, God, we're, we're really doing this. But speaking of Marvel stuff, since since the writer is a former writer ex Marvel exclusive, uh, we're getting an Eternals one-shot, it seems. A special one-shot in advance of the upcoming Eternals film called Eternals Forever Number 1 will pit Icarus against his fellow immortals. Set with the synopsis reading, set at a turning point in Eternals history, Eternals Forever will serve as a perfect modern entry point into the world of the Eternals. This one-shot will reintroduce fans and newcomers to heroes such as Icarus and Sprite, eight along with Deviants who will stop at nothing but all-out war. After the Deviants capture and brainwash Icarus into assassinating Ajik, it's up to Gilgamesh and Sprite to stop him. Will the Eternals save their fallen friend, or will Icarus remain a sinister agent for the Deviants? So... Yeah. Being written by retired Marvel executive editor Ralph Macchio, who has passed with the characters, who had edited the 1985 Eternal series by Peter Gills, Gills and Gillis, and Sal, I can't pronounce the last name, as well as the 2000s New Eternals Apocalypse Now by Carl Ballers, Mike Higgins, and John Bennett, Joe Bennett. But while best known as an editor, he also wrote the Eternals in a backup story in 1980's What If, titled The First Eternal, starring Cronus, Uranus, and Uta, uh, the Watcher. Joined by veteran Marvel and DC artist Ramon Bash, they will comes as, an comes as the aforementioned Eternal ongoing by Carolyn Gillian and Isad Riri goes on hiatus after July 28th, Eternals number 6. Marvel has no plans for issues in the series in August or October, and its plans beyond that have not been disclosed. The most recent, the Eternal Thanos, <laughs> was revealed to be behind the murder of the highly regarded Eternal Ajit, as well as others of their moral race. Oh man. So, uh, we'll go ahead and mention, we'll talk about Eternals one day down the road. No idea if it's going to be a podcast or pop culture on the Versa. Might be an NRC bonus episode, but we'll, we'll see. We'll have to see when the final thing comes out. Also, speaking of that, Buddy Murphy has revealed he pitched an idea in WWE to be Paul Heyman's associate. Speaking with insight with Chris Van Velia, who originally had the show called The Van Velia Show, Murphy mentioned in an interview, I had this really cool story idea that I pitched to Heyman, who loved it. I even mentioned it to the Usos, who also loved it. It was basically to get me, like, not a part of the bloodline, but to be an associate of Paul Heyman. I don't take orders for Roman, but I do his bidding because Heyman asked me. It was like a sub-story on the side of Heyman, and I like to... And I'd like to be like a Judge Dredd. So I was going to make a big a mixture of the big boss man, Judge Dredd for Heyman. Heyman loved it, and I ended up having a conversation with Triple H about it. While he was at SmackDown, having just mentioned to him that I pitched this idea to Heyman. He loved it. We'll see where that goes. I understand it needs to go through the particular ranking, get it approved by Vince and whatnot. But we all know where that went. My God, we, we had a chance to get Buddy Murphy versus Roman Reigns 2 could have been. Because that was a damn good match. WWE, the place where good ideas and interesting concepts we could try go right out the window.
Okay, we're going to take a brief break and cut to our ad break, everybody. Be back later in a bit. We're back, everybody, from a break, and the Elite General Manager game that AEW has been teasing for months and had shown has finally released. It came out today on July 15th at the time this, this podcast is recording, and it was really and the release date was in that was shown on email and whatnot with press releases. So it's on the app. You can download it now. Get ready for some exciting general manager stuff. I have no. Uh, I downloaded it. I plan to play later. But uh, speaking of games, we have. Oh God. Remember Skyrim? You know the game that never ends for anybody because. They go ahead and re-release it, even make alternate versions, like the Amazon Alexa version. That was a thing. Yeah. And then you're probably wondering to yourself, when will this end? Well... Apparently someone didn't get the message, I think. And I say this as a joke, I'm not, I'm not being serious on this, but someone following a sealed copy found a uh, particular please uh, collectors are looking for the next big thing. And one by a particular release, Elder Scrolls Skyrim. Skyrim may be it as they purchased it for a sealed copy for 600 bucks. So it has a WADA score of 9.2 A+, which is a good score. That means it is exceptional condition, but it's not quite the levels of a copy of a Super Mario 64, 9.8 A++. Why? Like, I can at least understand the Super Mario 64 because it's from decades ago, but Skyrim keeps re-releasing and in physical conditions. They even made a freaking Amazon Alexa version. And I'm still trying to wonder why that is. Like it's already annoying enough when Tomb Raider sells for a hundred, nearly hundred and fifty grand, and Red Dead Redemption sells for three hundred and eighty-four. But still, uh, yeah, yeah. It's just, it's just amazing. It really is. Kind of is. So, Mag Margaret Robbie, you know Harley Quinn, who also later influenced the comics because now everybody now Harley Quinn was looking like more her Suicide Squad movie version and more of her own character and not be Joker's girlfriend. Robbie has says she might she needs a break from playing Harley Quinn, saying it was kind of back-to-back -back filming Birds of Prey to filming the Suicide Squad. So it was kind of like, oof, I need a break from Harley because she's exhausting. I don't know when we're going to see her next week this year. I'm just as intrigued as everyone else is. 
So she showed up in Suicide Squad, the original, Birds of Prey, and the Fantabulous This Emancipation of 100 Queen. Being the last film to hit theaters there's in early 2020 before the pandemic struck the world. And now she'll reprise the Suicide Squad role, which releases in August 6th. In other words, while her work world has been quite full with 15 non-DC films since the release of Suicide Squad, she's been a time time swinging blunt weapons and wearing clown makeup, essentially, what the articles say. Uh, yeah. She's also going to be in a Barbie movie and the next Pirates of the Caribbean film. And also, Harley Quinn could be killed off because James Gunn kept saying how, oh, I have, like, I'm allowed, allowed to kill anyone, so I'm gonna, might go George R. Martin this in the most insane way possible, dude. Dude! So anyways, Scott Demore from Impact, the vice president, the executive VP. So... about that. Scott Demore wants more of AEW's women to show up and one of the people came in was Britt Baker. She cornered in, him in Jacksonville and asked when she could face Deanna Perazzo saying this. That is a great question. I look at it. I get tweeted out to me and everything all the time. All I can say is from her perspective, look, I got cornered by Britt Baker down in Jacksonville a few weeks and she's like, when do I get Dion, Deanna? Uh, and says, hey, Brett, oh, come on. We always say we had an open-door policy, and we're open to doing it. You know the deal in the wrestling. Sometimes there's a lot of hurdles to jump through, but I think the relationship with AEW has been fantastic. Damore says, uh, I think that Tony Khan's a breath of fresh air in many ways in the wrestling industry. It's just been great to deal with a person who is in a different company where there's honesty and transparency. It's like, hey, let's do that. You know why? Because that's cool. We share a vision for a world like that, and I love to see it because I... Because I mean, whether it's Nyla Rose or whether it's some form of other name talents like you have there. Imagine if Nyla came in and hit in the ring on, and hit the ring on Diano and just laid her lying there and picked up the towel, right? So she's facing. So Diana Perazzo is facing a mystery opponent at Slammiversary's event, and it could range for anybody. It could range from the Iconics who were fired a while back. It could be. Hmm, Britt Baker, it could be Nyla Rose, it could be anyone from the wrestling industry. It could be Mickey James, since there's now this going around, there's uh, something else going on between NWA and Impact, and along with several other companies. So uh, we got the open door policy. Open door policy here, man. So. So, Halo Infinite's developer reveals how the Halo 2 trailer inspired a brand new feature. Yeah, that, that's a thing. So, according to Infinite's lead multiplayer develop designer, Andrew Witts, specifically mentions that the bit where Master grabs a BR-55 rifle that's dispensed from the mechanical wall rack before jumping into space, saying in a developer spotlight blog, Witts detail his background as a game developer and reveal which parts of the design he's most proud of and how through the industry he is trying to improve upon previous games. 
saying if I'm playing multiplayer, I play it for the first and I play it for the first time. I never play that map. I don't know where the weapons are spawning. We wanted to make it a better experience for player. We invest in what, what you call the item spawners. The item spawners are assets like weapon racks and what equipment spawners. It's nothing new for Halo in terms of what players expect. We wanted to call out where weapons spawn in the world. We did all these awesome Halo 2 inspired weapon racks, a callback to the announcement trailer where the, where the gun comes out on the wall and she grabs it. We put the weapon racks on the walls because we wanted to develop a visual language but around scavenging in the game so that players can make split second decisions on where, where to find a weapon. Staff knowledge is still an important skill during the game but we wanted to find a way to ease the burden of developing that knowledge by creating assets that pop off the environment next enough that you can make quick decisions on what item you want to fight for next. Saying uh, he also mentions how he said that the wall-based weapon racks factor into Infinite's free-to-play multiplayer design line for new weapons to be introduced more quickly. If one of three possible to spawn new weapons and saw weapons racks all across the map versus need to wait for a new map to be in the current playlist rotation to come in. Which also divided into how the development took inspiration for various Halo levels, including Delta Halo, where the UNSC drops heavy ordnance pods during your assault on the Covenant. Saying, uh, we want to play big team battles, see those weapons pods incoming, and hear that crunching crash in the ground over the Halo 4 impact. I like to have the excitement of combat on my Halo 2 mission. So, every era of Halo is being explored here, damn it. So, Infinite is really trying to live up to its name as being infinite. So, are we going to expect an infinite crisis Halo event? Nah. Maybe. Nah. But uh, EA has confirmed their game, Battlefield 2042, will feature crossplay, although not all platforms will be able to play with all others. So, uh, yeah. Crossplay was confirmed on new Battlefield Breathing, but EA made it clear that there will be two pools of players rather than one single mixed group PC, Xbox, Series X and X, and PS5. PC and console players can opt out of crossplay. And there's the Xbox One and PlayStation 4. The reasoning of the play separation comes down between last gen and new gen versions of the game. More modern platforms will see 128 player matches, while last gens will only extend to 64 player games. Well, we also learned that map sizes will be different across last and new gen consoles. EA also confirmed that the game will feature cross progression and cross conference. Any logs are participating in any version, including last and new gen, will appear in all other versions. In addition, a crossplay does mean does mean that EA is delaying the game's technical playtest, previously set to take place in late July, now confirmed for later this summer, that will allow play PC and around new console generation players and PC players to play together. Uh, sign up for an invite only test by updating the playtesting profile on EA's site. It's worth pointing out that this game is not a game's open beta, which is yet to receive a release date. Coming out on October 22nd, will include a campaign or battle world mode, will include huge matches, new modes, and new environmental effects. So we'll learn more about this on July 22nd during EA Play Live. Now, I just kind of lost interest in Battlefield, the series. Like, I lost interest in Call of Duty because it, it, it just... It just... It just wasn't fun anymore for me. I just lost interest in it. And I moved on. I, I just gave up on it. Like, I wasn't interested in it. I wasn't having fun as I used to. And they were making more and more egregious microtransactions that made things worse and to the point that they're now selling reticles or dot for weapon customization for money okay. yeah yeah we 
Are you in this? Bill Spencer also says that Xbox X and Series S will probably update its controller and may learn for the PS5 controller design. Saying in a recent episode, kind of funny game gamescast, Spencer said that although Xbox is not planning on releasing major hardware such as VR headsets in the near future, it's more than likely, likely the company will make model refresh on this controller. He also complimented Sony the design features available on the DualSense controller of the PS5. They are definitely thinking about kinds of devices that can bring more games to places. That's probably some work we will do on that controller. I think Sony's done a nice job with the controller. If we kind of look at it as some of that thing, are there things that we should go do? So, Microsoft toying with the idea of implementing simpler features like haptic feedback. Down on the control of DualSense in January, the tech giant sent out a survey to owners on next generation consoles asking if they would like to see any DualSense features on an Xbox controller. Spencer also touched more to the topic of VR and Xbox, saying, We're watching what happens on PC as it relates to VR specifically. The best experience I've seen is Oculus Quest 2, and I just think the ease of use and being untethered in its capability just doesn't, to me, require being connected to an Xbox in any way. So they haven't explored VR for consoles and likely will not anytime soon as the company is exploring other ways to attract players to the Xbox brand like cloud technology, smart TVs, and streaming sticks, though reaffirms that the Xbox hardware itself will remain a flagship experience with Spencer hinting that while the Xbox hardware will not get a refresh anytime soon, a roadmap for future models is not out of the realm of possibility. I like that. Like, so, like... I think Phil Spencer was the best thing that happened for Xbox's stuff because the last remember when everything was falling apart and then they had to change things up and Google uh, it was so insane. So glad things turned around for them. And now Sony's the oppressive force of nature. It's kind of sad when you think about it. Ten years ago, Sony was seen as the good guys of gaming, and then now look where they're at. And now we got Microsoft being all like, hmm, those Sony guys got something good there. You want to try an Oculus controller? Yeah. And whatnot. <laughs> also, there was going to be another Tiger King project produced by Amazon, and Nicolas Cage was going to play Joe Exotic. Nicholas Cage no longer playing that role. Well, after the actor revealed that the project may have been stalled or even shelved. Following the craze of last year, several competing, competing adaptations were in the works, one of which from Amazon on cast Oscar-winning actor Nicholas Cage. However, speaking of variety, Cage says that he's no longer attracted to Amazon's version and then it may not even go forward. We should clear the record. I read two excellent scripts, which I do think were excellent. But I think Amazon ultimately felt that it was a material that had to become past tense because it took so long for it to come together. They felt at one point that it was lightning in a bottle, but that point has since faded into the distance and is no longer relevant. So after the whole Tiger King documentary that came out and it became a cessation of murder, mayhem, and madness, several different Tiger King projects were fast-tracked, but soon after COVID hit, many of those projects stalled. Since then, Tiger King may have become yesterday's news, although a rival Tiger King project starring Kate McKinney and John Cameron Mitchell is still set to go on Peacock. 
Cage still has plenty of work for him, because latest film Pig has been critically acclaimed and awarded a 9 out of 10. So, uh, yeah. He's in a movie called Pig and is apparently doing really well. Remember when Nicolas Cage was the actor that just did any role when asked? Hey, do you want to do this role? Yes. Like he, I think, I think someone, like I remember college humor talking about making a parody video about Nicolas Cage always saying yes to every single thing he does for every movie he does. Like even the movies that he probably should not be in. And he even went as far as to admit to that when he was given, when he was told, oh, look, I got told I could be in a Spider-Man movie and I immediately said yes. WWE has apparently exciting prize surprises planned for WWE's return to touring. Yeah, I don't care. Like, let's be real. WWE's probably gonna screw it up somehow. Like, there's rumors that Becky Lynch, Brock Lesnar, Goldberg, Goldberg is coming back, but I'm sincerely hoping not on Goldberg or Brock Lesnar. Becky Lynch and Cena, I'm all right with. Cena, if he'll do the job and put over Roman. And, and this leads to The Rock versus Roman Reigns. The head of the table battles the people's champ for the ultimate throne of the Hawaiian family. So yeah, let's do that for WrestleMania next year. Also, Johnny Gargano had reportedly had suffered a nasty table spot in NXT during the championship match with Karrion Cross, but he's reportedly fine and is in good spirits. Yay! So, um... Yeah, I did not hear any outrage for that. Like, oh, uh, uh like, like, I told my friends this when I reported this to them, saying, uh, hear that? Other than the music? sound that no one's really caring or going into an outrage when there's a botch like they do with any other company <laughs> so yeah like like i said this is i get it i get i get you have everyone has safety in mind but that is gonna happen but the fact and i get that people's reasoning is that AEW has a more frequent at the same time yeah i can understand that but like Considering how much outrage AEW gets, I'm still amazed by that. But, like, I'm just glad Johnny Gargano's all right. And the only time I was really freaking concerned for a massive botch was the Matt Hardy scare. The other other time was probably when Seth Rollins could have almost been stabbed to death by a cage. And then WWE would have really not really had been in the best condition after that. Like, my jaw, I was like, what the heck happened with Seth Rollins? And he almost got stabbed by the cage of spikes. I mean, that was, that was messed up. Like, wow. But let's finish this off with some good news. John Cena, and his name is John Cena, is set to return for him and is imminent. For the first time in over a year, in the next 10 days, it seems Cena looks to be coming back. Act 5 of Select is reporting that the working assumption backstage is that Cena is returning to work with the working plan being him to appear on July 20, 
playing third for SmackDown. There is a possibility, however, that Cena could show up on any other WWE TV shows in the coming 10 days, but this would come at the following of Money in the Bank, where Roman Reigns is rumored to be locking himself in for the C-Nation match. Okay, so this is the thing that kind of annoys me. So, they're not going to address it, are they? They're not going to address... Oh, by the way, I was trapped in another dimension by The Fiend and was tortured for endless eons. So, uh, I might have went Peacekeeper a little bit, Peacemaker, and went ahead and shot up a bunch of things. But, yeah, we're not going to bring up if Cena's been altered by The Fiend. Because, here's the thing. When... When, when the fiend, when, when people who wrestled the fiend started turning heel or changed up, they never really said that's what happened. But when they noticed, oh, we kind of do that, don't we? We either, like we book them to fight the fiend, they get their ass kicked, and then all of a sudden we turn them heel. Um, can we address that? No. Um. And then they addressed it with Braun Strowman, where he goes in and says, well, "Let me get my micro my second microphone for dramatic purposes for the video." Everyone that comes in contact with the fiend changes. So that's not me exaggerating. That's word for word what Braun Strowman said. He said that everyone who comes in contact with the fiend changes, which means they have to address it. They can't just ignore it. Or they'll just further prove that they really hate Bray Wyatt and Wyndham Rotunda and everything he tries to give them for chicken salad and they will turn into chicken shit. But yeah, uh, <laughs> oh man, it's so annoying. Well, that's about it for this edition of the NRC brand. And let's take you all out and have a nice day, everybody. Be sure to donate to the brand and keep up to date with additional content on YouTube channels such as Neo Reality Entertainment, NRE The Wrestleverse, and NRE Pop Culture Omniversa.